This is the Tom Anderson Show, broadcasting live from the KVNT studios in South Central Alaska, USA. Live and local, 7 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday, right here on KVNT, 1020 a.m. and 92.5 FM. Your best source for morning news, traffic, and weather. Streaming live online at TomAndersonShow.com. Phone lines are open. Dial 907-357-5868. That's 357-5868. Politics and news from a guy who's made it happen. Your morning drive just got a whole lot better. Good morning, America. Here's Tom Anderson. Well, good morning, everyone. You might uh, be expecting Tom. You do not get Tom this morning. This is Rick Whitbeck filling in for the man who has taken some personal time off, and I am absolutely thrilled to be uh, guest hosting the Tom Anderson Show this morning. It's 22 degrees outside of the East Anchorage studio here uh, at KVNT, and it's 7.07 a.m., so let's have some fun today. We have a uh, a, a great show. We're going to take your calls in segment three, so from about 7.47 or so until the top of the hour will be uh, time for your calls. But until then, we've got a great guest list. We're going to uh, have in segment two... Flora Teo, she's the Junior Achievement President for Junior Achievement of Alaska. She's going to be talking about Junior Achievement and uh, their upcoming Hall of Fame induction. And uh, we'll have Flora on in segment two. Uh, actually, yeah, segment three, we're going to have Jer Hamey with Hamey Financial. Jer's a uh, investment insurance and financial planning wizard. Um, and he's going to be talking to us as we kind of do a it's 2022 New Year, New You uh, approach. We're going to talk with Jer about financial planning and why that's important here for everybody. And then segment four from 745 to, to the top of the hour, we'll take your calls at 357-5868. Um, and then in uh, the top of the hour at eight o'clock, we're going to have Gary Cox. He is the king of Anchorage real estate. You will see his uh, billboards and, and signage out. He is the king and he will be in studio with me, actually. Uh, Gary, working hard. Here, top of the hour, 8 o'clock, he'll be in studio. Then uh, uh, from 8.15 to 8.30, Adam Holtz with the weekly plugged-in movie review. And then I have a weekly radio program here on KVNT. comes on every Tuesday night from 5 to 6 p.m. It's called the Power of the Future Energy Hour. My day job is the state director for Power of the Future, which is a national nonprofit focused on advancing uh, energy opportunities and championing energy workers. And I had an opportunity to speak with the with a guy that calls in each and every Friday, Todd Smolden from Governor Dunleavy's office. He and I talked two segments on uh, my Tuesday night show. Everything's still relevant and uh, and relatable. So we're just going to replay those two segments, uh, the last two segments of the show today. So again, if you want to call in, I will be happy to take them from 745 to 8 today. But until then, we've got a, a great guest list and then after that, guests as well. So... Hope you enjoy the show. Tom will be back sometime uh, down the road. And until then, if uh, if he needs me to, to guest host again, I'm happy to do it. Let's talk a little bit about some of the headlines on the political world. Um, I think that, you know, anytime that you start uh, thinking about politics here in South Central Alaska, one of the things that, that uh, comes to mind is the mayor's race that's coming up here. Ballots will go out in the mail in March. Um, we will select a new mayor, at least get to the runoff. In, uh, in April, but there are four main candidates that have announced and will be starting their filing here. I think today is the first day they can file. Uh, we have Suzanne LaFrance, current assembly member um, out of South Anchorage. She's a registered Democrat. Uh, 
Chris Tuck, who is also a registered Democrat. Um, Suzanne LaFrance, I guess, is actually running as an independent. Um, Tuck has got the endorsement of the Democratic Party, although most of the hardline progressives here in the city um, are split between those two, calling Chris not liberal enough uh, and and jumping on the LaFrance bandwagon. It'll be interesting to see how that shakes out because one of those two um, certainly plans to make the, the runoff election, assuming that nobody gets to 50% in the uh, in the first ballot race. And then we have current mayor, uh, Dave Bronson, who's announced he's running for re-election. And former Anchorage Economic Development Corporation President Bill Pop is in the race as well. Um, Bill, Dave, Suzanne, and Chris are the four, you know, I'll call them the four front runners. And then you have people like Darren Colbury and yesterday, uh, Jenny DeGrappa, who works as the development director for the Food Bank of Alaska, um, is uh, has also announced that she's running. We're going to take a quick call here. Thanks for calling KVNT and the Tom Anderson Show. Who's this? Hi, uh, Rick. This is Flora with Junior Achievement. Hey, Flora. Can I put you on hold and we'll catch up with you here uh, in just a few minutes, if you don't mind? Absolutely. Put you on hold and we'll bring you back right after uh, the, the break here in just a few. But I appreciate you calling early. Awesome. So that is Flora. She's going to be our guest here uh, in the next segment. But again... Four main candidates, a couple other candidates running for mayor, and then the presidential race is heating up. And I'll tell you, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, I believe that we're going to have a rerun of the 2020 election. Um, Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis, Chris Christie just dropped out this week. They're trying to figure out a way to stop the Trump train. Uh, Iowa caucuses here next week. I don't think it happens. I think... Uh, Haley and, and DeSantis, too little, too late, and it'll be a, a Donald Trump um, run on the Republican side. And unless something happens catastrophically to uh, Joe Biden, I think he's going to get the Democratic nod because the progressives, well, let's just say the progressives who uh, are running the White House for Joe Biden uh, like the fact that they can run the White House for Joe Biden. And so... Uh, you know we're gonna we're gonna have that rerun here a re-race rerun of 2020, and that should be an absolutely um, I was gonna say fascinating, fascinating presidential race. Tom Steigelman, you're laughing at me. <laughs> yeah, I am laughing at you. This is gonna be yeah something. Uh, a show. It'll be something. It'll be a show. That's what I'll say. It'll be something. Yeah, it'll be something. <laughs> it, it could be a show of uh, magnificent uh, proportions. So we'll we'll see what happens there as as we. Uh, as as Tom's uh, alarm goes off, there it's got to um, remind us take those commercial breaks, man. <laughs> well, yeah, I know, I know those are coming up here. So uh, you know, it's going to be a great show again. Flora Teo from the Junior Achievement of Alaska. She'll be talking to us in the next segment. Uh, should be a great show with her. Jer Hamy, Hamy Financial. We'll take your calls from seven forty eight to the top of the hour. Gary Cox, the King of Anchorage Real Estate. Adam Holtz, the Plugged In Movie Review, and then two segments. Not one, but two with Todd Smolden from the governor's office uh, that that he and I taped for my radio program here on Tuesday night. Uh, he'll finish off the show here and the Tom Anderson show for the week. Again, Tom taking some time off. Uh, I'll be here every couple, I think, every couple of Fridays until he comes back. Um, should, be a, should be a fun day today as we look forward to your calls in segment four. Again, from 745 till 8 o'clock. 
That music means we're getting ready to take a break. Don't forget, you can always call in 357-5868 from 745 till 8 o'clock. This is the Tom Anderson Show on KVNT. Rick Whitbeck, guest hosting, and we'll be back with Flora Tail from Junior Achievement of Alaska right after these messages. is the Tom Anderson Show. Broadcasting live from the KVNT studios, 7 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday. 21 degrees here in the East Anchorage studios of KVNT. I am Rick Whitbeck filling in for Tom Anderson on the Tom Anderson Show here today. Great, fantastic lineup of guests here on the show. Let's start out with one of my favorite people in the entire state of Alaska. She's been with the Junior Achievement of Alaska organization for over 20 years. Um, she is the president of the organization here in the state. One of my absolutely, like I said, most favorite people in the entire state, Flora Teo. Welcome to the Tom Anderson Show. Oh, thank you so much, Rick. Thank you for having me here today. One of our favorite volunteers and JA attracts great people. So definitely uh, a thrill to be here. Thanks for thinking of me. Absolutely. I was on the JA board for almost 30 years, like a month short of 30 years. And like two thirds of that time you were there. As you know, whether yeah. it was as as a leader on the on the staff, and then of course as the president. So, junior achievement. Some people may may or may not know about that here on the Tom Anderson Show, the listenership. So, why don't you give me just an overview of what JA is and the involvement uh, uh, of you and your team here in the state of Alaska? Sure, I, I'm happy to, and we can call it 30 years, Rick. <laughs> okay. Well, um, okay, so Junior Achievement is a, a national organization that prepares young people for success in, in both their education and career. You know, what we really want is for young people to have both the skill set and the mindset to help build thriving communities. And one of the ways we do that is to teach young people the values of the free enterprise system and financial literacy, work readiness, and everything that goes into becoming an entrepreneur. Um, the program has been around since 1919, was brought up to Alaska in 1973. Uh, we're statewide. We serve 55 communities, about 15,000 students every year, K-12, and it's available at no cost to schools or school districts. Um, we don't receive any government funding, so it's funded for, um, exclusively by the business community. And what we really specialize in is bringing members from the com- uh, business community into schools and connecting them with young people to help inspire them. Um, they have a curriculum that they follow, of course, um, that aligns with state standards, but Really, it's the volunteer that is the secret sauce. That's what kids remember the most about Junior Achievement. And, um, and yeah, it's, a, it's, it's been an amazing program in the state. Certainly. Uh, you know, I can, I can vouch for it on all sides. I was a JA kid in high school. I had somebody come in from the community and talk to me about, you know, uh, basically personal economics back then. And we actually did a, a classroom um, company program where we started a company, we sold stock, we sold a product, we liquidated the company and paid our shareholders. That's kind of the old school JA model. Um, 
but that's what got me started in my love for business. And so, you know, that, that was that, that old school JA model of bringing somebody in from the community to talk about really entrepreneurship. It's expanded past that, Flora. Talk to us about some of the programs that I know are age appropriate because I've volunteered in over 200 classrooms, I think. Um, but everything is, is relevant to whatever grade level you're at. So I know, you know, I know that they start in kindergarten, go through high school. Talk to us about some of the programs and, and how that works age appropriately. Sure. Yeah. Um, so the programs are meant to be um, cumulative. So it's slow infusions of this type of education over a student's K-12 edu- uh, education. Mm-hmm. So at the early levels, K-5, we're really setting those foundations and introducing concepts, even basic things like needs versus wants, um, what are taxes, <laughs> how are communities run, what are jobs, how do you vote, um, just those basic civic lessons, but also it's really economics. Um, then when they get to middle school, and oh, and I should say those, those elementary programs most often is done through something called JA in a Day. And we do those North Slope all the way down through the Southeast, um, two hours of a volunteer's time in the classroom, um, really time well spent. Um, then by the time the young person gets to middle school, that's when the, we, the program turns to be more um, to look inward for a student to think about what are my skills and abilities, what job could I potentially have, and we introduce them to all types of different careers. One of the new programs we have is called the Virtual Career Fair. Um, we also have a, a JA Biz Kids Summer Camp where those are real connect or those are connection those real world connections that young people get to the outside world so that they're inspired to keep going. Then by the time they get to high school, you know, the junior achievement model, you know, they should really know what they're doing. Yep. <laughs> and that's when they do the program. We still have it. And, and I have that same program. You remember it forever. Um, they're actually running their own business. Um, they pay real salaries. They sell real shares of stock in their company. They learn all about what it's like to be a shareholder. Um, we have job shadow visits. We have um, online career expos. There's, there's a lot of things that junior achievement does. We have... Um, national competitions. Yep. And I believe, Rick, you were one <laughs> to represent Alaska at those. We also have an aviation camp um, down at the National Flight Academy in, in Pensacola. So Junior Achievement, we, we provide scholarships from sponsored by KPMG. You know, Junior Achievement is a way to connect young people to other opportunities, not just in Alaska, around the U.S. and even around the world. One of the one of the ways that you guys um, raise funds for the organization is coming up here later this month. It's the JA Alaska Business Hall of Fame put on in conjunction with Alaska Business Magazine. Um, I was fortunate enough to be a student, um, basically support person for the very first one of those back in uh, 1987. It's really evolved. Talk to us about the uh, this year's edition, who the laureates are, and you know just about that event in 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 whole. Absolutely. I mean, this is our biggest fundraiser. Um, it's the premier networking event hosted by Alaska Business Magazine. Um, they do a beautiful feature article in January. So if you have a chance, run out and pick up their magazine. If you're interested, you'll see articles written by students. Um, and of course, featuring information about the Hall of Fame. Every year, we induct four new business leaders into the Hall of Fame um, and recognize them for all of their achievements. It's a celebration of the past, present, and future of Alaska business. And this year, we have an amazing lineup of laureates. We are recognizing Sherry Beretta with the Chugach Alaska Corporation, uh, Mark Pfeffer with Conrad Solutions and Pfeffer Development. We have Dave Karp with Salt Check. And then this year, we're giving out the Denali Award, um, which is somebody who's on the, their way to becoming a laureate. Right. 
to Jen Shragi with Signature Land Services. Um, so we'll also be recognizing an educator of the year this year happens to be from Diamond High School, the JROTC instructor, and a volunteer of the year, with, uh, which is Stacia Straley at the University of Alaska Anchorage. So um, it's a huge event, almost 600 people attending this year. It's sold out, but there's still opportunities to support JA, support the cause. The, the funds that we're raising go all back to our schools. And you can find out more at our website, alaska.ja.org. I was just going to say, so for people who may um, be listening now and go, I, I want to get involved, or how do my how does my kid get the benefits of junior achievement? Um, you know, Colby got to do JA in a day, I think first and second grade um, last you know the last couple of years when he was at Abbott Loop. I can tell you, as a parent, it's it's year changing. Colby came back from those. Now, granted, he had the best volunteer in the world. He had his mom uh, and and his dad. But uh, if you want to get it, your your child involved, if you want to find out more about JA, if you want to you know volunteer yourself, Flora, how do they? I mean, other than just going to the website, how can they get a hold of you guys? Oh, great question. Um, so I absolutely, um, you know, as a parent, my kids had. I made sure that they had it every year because every the best part year. Is that, <laughs> Yeah, it's every year. <laughs> they um, the program is available at no cost to students, and and how great is that that you get all these professionals from all different industries in your kids' school for a day? It's a school takeover. It's amazing. So yes, go to our website. You can find information. Um, you can request a program, and again, it's provided at no cost. You know, so and we're even happy if you're not sure if your kid's school has it, but you're interested in it. We'll even talk to the school. Say, hey, we have a parent that's interested. It's really that easy. And we'll provide all the materials you need to go into the classroom. Um, but on the website, you can also request a program. You can sign up to volunteer. Your, your kid's school, school might um, already be signed up for a JA in a day, and we need people. Um, uh, you can also find information about our, more information about our impact studies, the long-term impact of junior achievement, um, articles that we've been featured in, awards that the program has won. Um, Anyway, it's uh, so so. Check out our website um, or contact our office. We have a, a staff of two point five <laughs> here in Anchorage, and you're welcome to always stop by and, and chat with one of us, and, and we'll do everything we can to, to to get something for your 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 student's school. I think it's one of the most um, impactful programs uh, of any out there. Um, your board is amazing. I mean, again, I served on it forever. Seems like uh, your staff is amazing. Your mission is amazing. Floriteo, you're amazing, and so is Junior Achievement. I appreciate uh, appreciate you coming on the Tom Anderson Show and, and filling us in today. Absolutely. No, it's an honor to be here. And, Rick, you know, the organization keeps going because of people like you who believe in it, who are impacted by it, and, and we just appreciate the opportunity to serve Alaska. So thank you. Absolutely. That is Flora Teo. She is the president of Junior Achievement of Alaska. We're going to take a break, come back with Jer Hamey from Hamey Financial. We're going to do a look ahead to New Year, New You, why uh, financial planning, insurance, investments, you know, what it looks like in 2024 and why it's important for you. So we'll do that with Jer Hamey as we continue on with the Tom Anderson Show here on KVNT. Thanks to Flora, and we'll be back here in just a few minutes. This is the Tom Anderson Show, broadcasting live from the KVNT studios, 7 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday. As we come back to the Tom Anderson Show, it is not Tom. It is the B-List host with A-List guests today. Rick Whitbeck filling in for the man himself, Tom Anderson, uh, waiting for this segment's guest, Jer Hamey, to, uh, to call in. 
But until then, 21 degrees outside of this East Anchorage studio here uh, of KVNT, and it's it's a great day to have a great day, everyone. Can't wait to uh, to get out of here, get on to to something kind of fun. My uh, I have a nine year old, and uh, he we adopted him at birth, and he is. Uh, he struggles in school. He's an FAS kid, and uh, he gets his first academic award for academic performance today in his second quarter uh, school assembly. So I get to go from here out to uh, get a couple hours of work done and then go watch my son get an academic award. So that is, uh, that's going to be the highlight of my day no matter what. I'm super excited and super proud of Colby for uh, for everything that he's worked hard to uh, to catch up on his reading. He's now reading at grade level, um, which if you know Kolbs, he's an amazing kiddo, but reading has been a challenge. And so we, uh, you know, it's always fun when your, your kid gets recognized, but I know how hard and how much he's worked for that. Um, you know, I was talking to Tom Stogelman, the producer, and it was like, oh, well, academic awards. That's awesome. I mean, you got one for what? Perfect attendance? Perfect Tom? attendance. That's right. I, I never got a real one. That one, yeah. perfect attendance. <laughs> I, I showed is, up. Perfect attendance yeah. is a real one. Yeah, because I never got that man. There was <laughs> there was always something going on. But that's uh that's the the beginning of uh, my weekend. We'll be watching at the end of the day today. Colby walk across and get up and get an award. Which so is I think cool. what we really all want to know is how hard are you going to be crying? Oh, dude, guarantee. Yeah. I mean, I got the email. <laughs> Let's be honest. I got the email saying my you know if you're receiving this, your son's receiving an award for for academic performance. And I I was like, what? Really? Culps? That's cool. And yeah, the tears came then. I uh, started thinking about it last night. The tears came then. Yeah, you know, it's. It, I'm proud of him. Yeah. He's, he's worked really, really hard. You know, his mom and I have um, have worked hard, and but he's, you know, it's, it's an effort thing, right? When you're trying to catch up in an academic subject, especially something like reading, that's so crucial and imperative to, um, you know, your, your future success. Mm-hmm. I know how hard he's worked, and it's been you know, hundreds of hours between summer and, you know, just, just reading out loud and things like that. So for him to be at academic performance, it's pretty cool. Uh, you know, until Jer calls in, we'll take your calls here on three, five, seven, five, eight, six, eight. If you have a thought, uh, you want to talk here on the show this morning, um, give us a ring. And, uh, if Jer's the first one to call in, then we'll, uh, we'll talk financial planning and, and insurance. But until then, Give us a call if you have questions, and if not, we're going to talk a clute and a dam, and the uh, the upcoming public meetings around a clutna. If you have not been following that story, uh, the Aklutna project, the hydroelectric project that's out there about thirty miles from from Anchorage, provides about six percent of the overall power for Matanuska Electric and Chugach Electric customers, whether they're residential or business. About six percent. Um, you know, obviously, natural gas is our is our number one. Uh, power source, but the Occluton Hydro Project, which has been around since the, the mid-50s, is imperative. And even more imperative from a utility standpoint is the fact that the Occluton Hydro Project also has uh, a separate portion of that that provides 90, 90% of Anchorage's clean drinking water. So the Occluton Lake, Occluton Hydro, Occluton Dam, 90% of the Anchorage uh, clean water. And there's a group backed by environmental zealots like the Alaska Center, um, the uh, Trout Unlimited and others that want to do away with the dam. Working with the, the uh, native village of Aklutna, they believe that the dam has impacted and devastated 
the salmon fishery up the river, and they want to get rid of the dam. And they have made a stink out of the uh, the renewal process for the 1991 Fish and, Fish and Wildlife Agreement that the owners, which again are Matanuska Electric, the municipality of Anchorage, and Chugach Electric, have to recert basically this year. So about four years ago, those that ownership group re, you know, started doing studies uh, to come up with the best possible plan for mitigating any impacts to, to fish and wildlife. At the 11th hour, the native village of Eklutna, Trout Unlimited, the Alaska Center, and some other environmental wackos um, have chimed in and said, we want one of the options we want is the dam to be removed. And believe it or not, the Anchorage Assembly has chimed in with, yeah, we think that might be a pretty good idea. Okay, 90% of Anchorage's drinking water, 6% of the overall impact. By the way, these are the same groups that hate traditional fossil fuel energies, but now they want to get rid of clean, renewable, distributable, uh, low-cost, the lowest-cost electricity generated here in south-central Alaska, hydro. Um, so that's all a long story to say that upcoming next week, are public meetings where you can sit and listen and make your voice heard um, to the ownership group as they finish the draft plan, finalize that, and then send it off to the governor who gets to make the final decision. Next uh, Tuesday in Palmer at the Palmer Depot, uh, 2 to 4 p.m. and 6 to 8 p.m. Here in Anchorage uh, on Wednesday the 17th, I'm going to be at both of the meetings from 2 to 4 and 6 to 8, um, where... Uh, at the Arctic Rec Center there on Arctic, just south of Tudor. And then in Eagle River on Thursday, again, two to four, six to eight, you can find more about those meetings at aklutnahydro.com and find out, read the draft plan. It's about 200 pages with all the appendices. Um, I've read it twice now. Number one, because I wanted to know about it. Number two, because I can't believe that any um, rational Alaskan rational South Central resident business owner thinks that doing away with the Eklutna Hydro project is the right move. Um, I, I guess I'm just having a hard time believing that that is the, uh, the right way to move things along. So if you want to be involved, don't forget the uh, draft program is uh, up for review, up for public comment. You can use the contact form on the Eklutna Hydro page to put in your, your written thoughts or come to the meeting and they'll have an opportunity to put in public comment there. Um, it's more of a, it's not going to be a stand and yell at people type meeting. It's going to be a meet with the the ownership group, talk with the experts, kind of a town hall type setup. But again, uh, the 16th Palmer Community Center, the depot, 17th Arctic Rec Center here in Anchorage, and the 18th at the Workplace and Event Center on Old Glen Highway out in Eagle River, 2 to 4 p.m. and 6 to 8 p.m., all three days, come out and find more uh, out about the Occluta Hydro project and uh, and get involved. Let your voice be heard. I, I wrote an op-ed for Must Read Alaska on this. It's kind of a passion project for me because I just can't believe it. I, I'm as pro-fossil fuel as anybody I know. But hydro is really, really good. Hydro is clean. Hydro is always on. Hydro is dispatchable across the grid, meaning... It can be distributed amongst multiple utilities like we have currently. Uh, hydro is low cost. Once you build the dam, put the the uh, the turbines in, it's the lowest cost type of electricity 
known right now. It's incredibly low cost. Uh, cheapest power that we have in South Central Alaska, 90% of our water supply. And yet the zealots think that uh, fish are more important than people. Once again, we've seen it with Pebble. We've seen it with Donlin. We've seen it with uh, the Susitna Watana Dam, another hydro project that could have provided 50%, 5-0% of South Central Alaska's um, uh, hydro or, uh, power needs if it had been built. But people like Trout Unlimited and others, they fought that. Um, Alaska Center, Cook Inlet Keeper, resolutions of non-support, you know, set up these little NIMBY-type websites, not in our backyard, uh, not in my backyard. Um they have fought hydro projects across the state. As a matter of fact, when I was researching this, there are hydro projects from the Snake River in you know Idaho and and Washington out to uh, Vermont, down to Tennessee, out to California and uh, Arizona. Hydro is under attack, and I haven't quite figured it out because the people who are pushing this anti-hydro pro- uh, uh, mission are more concerned about fish than they are about people. But they're the same people that would say, oh, you know, burning coal is bad. Burning natural gas is bad. We need to come up with wind and solar. Wind and solar isn't dispatchable. It's not always on. Hydro is. Nuclear is. They hate hydro. They hate nuclear. They hate traditional energy. What are they really, what are they really all about? When we come back, guys, it's going to be a great, uh, great time. We're going to take your calls. Your calls. News of the day if we don't get them. But until that, let's take a break. Come back here on the Tom Anderson Show I'm Rick Whitbeck, 21 degrees outside here at 744. Take a break, come back to you right after these messages. This is the Tom Anderson Show, broadcasting live from the KVNT studios, 7 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday. 7.48 in the morning here. Rick Whitbeck filling in for Tom Anderson, who's on some personal time away. 22 degrees here in uh, the East Anchorage studios of KVNT. And we have a caller. Thanks for calling KVNT. Who's this on the Tom Anderson Show? Hey, it's Ken. Uh, hi, Rick. How you doing? Hey, good morning, Ken Huckabee. How you doing, man? It's good to hear from you. How's uh, how's your Friday morning going? It's cold. <laughs> yeah, the dog it... out, and I'm, <laughs> I'm saying, dude, you need to take care of your business. I don't like standing out here. Yeah, it's a it's a little nippy out this morning. I uh, when I was coming over to the studio, I was like, yeah, glad I plugged the truck in last night. It's a uh, little 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 easier to get into a warm truck that's been started up and has uh, some warm air blowing because it's a, it's a little nippy outside. So. Uh, Appreciate you calling, man. It's been a it's been a good show so far this morning. You're going to add to the conversation. What's uh, what's on your mind? Well, you talked about plugging your truck in. That's that's pretty nice to have that reliably uh, available, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Certainly, power is uh, power is key. So is heat at this time of the year. Yeah, you know one of the one of the things I wanted to bring to the show is um, we have a proliferation of uh, non governmental organizations that are weighing in. 
on our infrastructure, on our power and our grid, um, and our oil industry and our gas industry. And it's being allowed and it's sometimes paid for. And you see entities like Earth Justice weighing in on things like the Occlutna Project. This is reprehensible. They don't pay the rates here. They don't have to suffer the vagaries and the risks and worrying about having their truck warm before they go to work. They don't have to worry about any of that. They come in here like ticks on a dog and suck the blood out of us, and they call them nonprofits. Well, that's one of the things I've asked the legislators to consider because that's a new thing, is having this proliferation of non-governmental organizations that call themselves nonprofits in our lives. And then you have to always ask, who do you really work for and who's paying you if you're a nonprofit? Because they get paid. It's not profit, but they all, you know, they all live very comfortable lives. And I just want to say it's just something new we have to deal with as a population that a lot of people aren't aware of. When you see a meeting and you see the likes of REACH, uh, uh, Launch Alaska, and you know that uh, 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 Earth Justice is supplying lawyers for REAP, uh, and then these people are sitting there telling our utilities what they should or shouldn't be doing. It, uh, it's inexplicable. I just want to tell everybody that's a humongous thing that we're dealing with right now. And I think there should be a public outcry against NGOs messing with our, uh, with our, everything we're doing in the state. Because this state's so vulnerable to non-governmental organization. And look at the Willow Project. That, that thing was uh, Earth Justice again. They opened that thing back up on the environmental impact statement, and those guys had 50 pages. And, yes, we did get one little win for the willow, but if you look at the price we paid for shutting down so much of what we have in the future for the state, it was a severe price to pay by letting NGOs open their big yaps and come in here and tromp on Alaskans. I just say, people, be aware of NGOs. Ask your legislators about them. And when you have a legislator weighing in on something, if they're getting information and direction and, and legislation help, from NGOs, uh, we need to look at where that's coming from and if it needs to be there. And what I do have one question for sure. you: What happened to the billion dollars that Anchorage was supposed to, Anchor, Anchorage ratepayers were supposed to get for selling MLP? Where'd it go? You know that billion dollars um, was supposed to help make sure that rates stayed stable, <laughs> among other things. You know, infrastructure upgrades, rate stability, especially for um, the legacy, you know, MLNP people. We'll have to have Julie Haskett from Ch- uh, Chugach come on here on uh, on the Tom Anderson Show when I guest host here in a couple weeks. Or we'll have him on the Power of the Future Energy Hour on Tuesday nights here on KVNT from 5 to 6 p.m., which is my weekly radio program that I run uh, as part of my you know, daily job, right, with Power of the Future, Ken. But, you know, that's a good question. I mean, that 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 billion dollars was supposed to go somewhere and was supposed to be used to benefit the citizens of Anchorage. It's a great question. We'll uh, we'll see if we can't get Julie Haskett on to talk about that here in, in the coming weeks. Anything else you want to add on before we uh, before we let uh, you go and get back to your day? No, I just wanted to ask your experience with NGOs and what your thought on what I said about NGOs. What do you think of them? Well, first of all, it's it's <laughs> – it's a great question, and now, and I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go and listen to this because this is my uh, this is my this is my sweet spot, so to speak, right? I mean, as as a nonprofit myself that has to raise capital and raise you know raise our budget, Daniel Turner, the founder and executive director of Power of the Future, does 99.99 percent of the fundraising for Power of the Future. You know, our budget's a couple million dollars a year. 
uh, we are up against NGOs that have 200, 300, 400 million dollars a year in their budgets. Uh, NRDC, National Resources Defense Council, 300 ish billion. Sierra Club, 400 billion. Not to, I'm sorry, not billion, million. Sorry, not billion, million. 300, 400 million dollars a year. The total of the top 20 national NGOs approaches $4 billion in funding. Now, there are not enough Pollyanna, the poetry majors from Purdue, writing $100 a month checks to uh, to fund those organizations at that kind of level. Certainly, Mike Bloomberg, Tom Steyer, George Soros, they're throwing money in. But my guess is if we were actually to ever be able to audit a lot of those NGOs, you would find um, you would find the that uh, there are foreign governments helping out with that, and foreign government uh, bad actors doing that. It's really simple. Organizations and and companies and that fight against NGOs are fighting against you know uh, organizations that again have two hundred three hundred million dollar budgets. How in the heck? Can an organization, let alone like an organization like Power of the Future, fight against that? Well, because we have truth on our side. And they have FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. That is the playbook of the eco-left. Oh, there's a climate crisis. There's no climate crisis, guys. Oh, there's a, the, oh carbon is bad. Carbon is life-giving. Carbon dioxide is life-giving. It helps sustain plants. It helps sustain life. It helps green every greenify everything. It's not a poison. So it's a control mechanism well-funded by ideologues and organizations designed to uh, inflict pain on the American economy, make the uh, countries like China even more powerful across the world. And NGOs uh, that are funded, again, at, at tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars a year, to inflict pain on traditional energy, to inflict pain on American manufacturing and American energy dominance. Um, you know, I know I'm on my soapbox a little bit, but I get to cover the Tom Anderson show. So we get to talk about this. Uh, you know, it is not good for America to have that much money that is non-trackable uh, enter into the debate. It's just not. So to Ken and uh, the people like Ken that are helping stand alongside and, and fight um, against NGO overreach, uh, against ideologue-funded um, organizations that are trying to harm America. Thank you for standing up and fighting. Thank you for joining us, uh, uh, groups like Power of the Future and you know others that are out there uh, you know, bringing, bringing reality and realism to the energy debate. Tom Stegelman, anything to add here before we go to break? Oh, man. You know, it's uh, – I think you go back and you touch on some of those things of, uh, you know, particularly like the dam. Right. And, uh, you know, wanting to – you know, the groups that want to get rid of that, uh, yet they're not proposing any real alternatives. Right. You know, what are we going to do about the water supply for Anchorage? You know, what are we going to do about the energy that we're missing out on? And, uh, you know, I think that's the the frustrating part Uh you know, in addition to just the insanity of let's rip that thing out. I mean, <laughs> I mean, just uh, it's crazy. 
Yeah, I haven't quite figured out how that uh, how that whole you know the the alternative to that is rip it out, let the water just flow. Maybe maybe the fish will come back. But yeah, where, maybe. Where, where, but where right. does the power? You know, generated by a Klutna, who makes that up? Wind and solar isn't going to do it. Yeah. A Klutna is always on, right? I mean, Klutna is 24 hours a day, seven days a week running when the turbines, when the, when the, when the water levels are the right level. Yeah. All right, guys, we're going to take a break. We're going to go to uh, the top of the hour. We're going to take, some, uh, take some, some news time, and then we're going to come back with the king. Gary Cox, local real estate agent, the king of Anchorage real estate, and he's going to talk to us about the real estate market here in 2024. Be in studio with me. When we come back to the Tom Anderson Show here on KVNT. This is the Tom Anderson Show, broadcasting live from the KVNT studios in South Central Alaska, USA, live and local 7 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday, right here on KVNT 1020 a.m. and 92.5 FM, your best source for morning news, traffic, and weather, streaming live online at TomAndersonShow.com. Phone lines are open. Dial 907-357-5868. That's 357-5868. Politics and news from a guy who's made it happen. Your morning drive just got a whole lot better. Good morning, America. Here's Tom Anderson. As we come back to the Tom Anderson Show, Rick Whitbeck filling in for the man himself who is uh, taking some well-deserved time off. And uh, 22 degrees outside of the East Anchorage studios here for KVNT. Joining me in studio this morning, if you live in South Central Alaska, you have seen his face. You have seen the crown. He is the Alaska real estate king, Gary Cox. Gary, let's talk real estate, your uh, your specialty, and welcome to the Tom Anderson Show. Thanks, Rick. How you doing? It's, uh, it's, it's a great Friday morning, man. We were talking uh, about uh, financial planning. We've been talking about some junior achievement and economic education. But when you grow up... One of the things that everybody wants to do is own a house. It's you, the adult thing to do. It is. You've made that happen for well over a th- well a thousand people, right? Yep, over a thousand transactions now. That's that's pretty awesome. Uh, you know, anybody that that watches your uh, your ads knows that you are the king. <laughs> so I figured nobody better to talk about the Anchorage real estate market, South Central Alaska real estate market in 2024 than you. So. How did you get started? How did this whole thing of Gary, how did, how did Gary Cox, the uh, Alaska real estate king, start? You know, about 25 years ago, I had a house I needed to sell, and there was some profit involved, and I uh, and I ended up having to buy a rental property, do a 1031 exchange. And sure. so that's, you know, some a way to preserve your taxes. And then it evolved, and before long, I'm, I'm buying a bunch of real estate. The market was hot. It was headed up. And... Uh, and then it, at about the year three, I was at 100 apartments, and uh, I started selling. And uh, I started buying and selling, and I ended up buying and selling over 300 properties in, over the next 10 years. Uh, and around 2010, I decided to get my real estate license. And 
since yeah, then. Yeah, why, why pay somebody else to do it, right? Yeah, I mean, well, actually, you know, I, there, sometimes it's good. I, I, it's always good. I, uh, I did over three hundred transactions. I only had one where I wasn't represented, and wow. uh, and my realtor said, "Hey, great, you saved six percent. I could have sold it for sixty thousand dollars more." And he did for the guy that bought it from me. He sold it, sold nice. that guy's property for sixty thousand more. So. Uh, you know, I, I always was represented even when okay. I was flipping. So, um, in, in fact, if we want to talk about that. I, I think the man that represents, represents himself in real estate is representing, has a fool for a client. Yeah, that's, that's good, good advice. You know, it's the, uh, it's the biggest thing you're ever going to purchase most likely in your life is, is your home. And, uh, there are, there are a lot of pitfalls that can happen in purchasing a home. So for the people out there listening who may, um, may not have bought a house yet, may not have had the opportunity to, to own real estate. I mean, there's so many, there's so many ways we could go with this conversation, right? But like, so real estate 101, you hire an agent because like you said, the fool that doesn't is, has, or the man who doesn't is, has a fool for a client. What should you expect from a real estate agent? Well, uh, you know, I do it probably different than some of the people that kind of treat it nine to five. I'm in seven days a week and literally... I say you can text me 24 hours a day. So uh, it's it's not unusual to get a phone call from one of my clients at six o'clock Sunday night. Hey, can we see this? And let's go look at it if, it, if it's available. Right. So, you know, you have to have somebody that's available uh, for you. But I think more importantly, I, I kind of pride myself on always having, you know, eight to 10 transactions going, maybe sometimes up to over 20 transactions. No one transaction's really that important for me to, to die on. Right. Uh, you know, I think you should be cautious about having an agent that needs your sale in order to make their rent payment. So, uh, I, I want, I want somebody that's experienced and is already busy and then you just fall into there. Uh, so if you're choosing an agent, don't try to pick the hungry new one, pick somebody out there that's got, that has some experience uh, and they're busy enough that your transaction isn't worth them. Uh, let me, let me say it's, it, it's easy to get into a home. It's not always easy to get out of a home. So true, true that you actually, you and your team have actually represented my wife and I in, in a real estate transaction. So full disclosure, I've used the, the Alaska real estate King for, you know, for some of my stuff. And, and I will tell you one of the things that I appreciate about you and and your guys and your and your and your colleagues are that you're knowledgeable, you're busy, you're very very well connected, right? Selling a house, buying a house is more than just looking or listing. What should people know about, you know, what what are some of the tips and tricks that you would give people who are looking to potentially buy or potentially sell in this market? Well, you know, I don't know if there are tips or tricks um, you know, you, you have to, you have to have a, a good lender, you have to have a good inspector mm -hmm. and you have to have that inspector has to be, you know, we're, we're not looking whether or not a drawer opens and closes correctly. We want to make sure the building's grounded correctly. The plumbing systems are working, the heating system's intact, uh, roofs are properly ventilated. And, you know, I don't crawl up into the, into the attics anymore. I just don't do it. Right. Occasionally I'll to see something, but. Uh, you, you have to have competent people that understand their component of the process. So I'm not an expert at anything, but 
I know who is. Right. And and that's the important thing. I have a I'm surrounded by people that are just top notch in the industry. My inspection teams are are great. Uh, I have I have full time contractors that work almost exclusively on my properties or you know my my transactions. So uh, title people, uh, lenders, it, uh, attorneys when needed don't need attorneys very often in Alaska. Uh, in inspectors, just everyone running through uh, on that uh, uh, on the gambit there. So. Again, you know, I, I I want people to know how to get a hold of you. Uh, you know, if you, if if you are interested in selling, buying here, when's a good time to go on the market, and and how do people get a hold of you? You know, clearance times, uh, inventory moves fastest this time of year, January through March. Uh, we historically uh, run very quickly, uh, very fast market. So we have been running in the winter time less than a month supply of inventory, wow. and that increases to about two months. Uh, rates are are way down right now, uh, down two points, and that means that you can qualify for about $125,000 more house right now. Wow. Okay. Talk to your lender. If you need a lender, anybody can reach out to me directly, 727-GARY. Really? 727-GARY, huh? 727-GARY. I got it 25 years ago. But uh, reach out to me directly or call any of your competent uh, real estate professionals out there, and um, that they can help you out too. But if they don't have anybody... Uh, the king is always is always waiting. That sounds good. Gary Cox uh, in studio with me. If you don't have a realtor, and, and I can tell you from personal experience, this man gets the job done. He's the Alaska real estate king. His name is Gary Cox, and uh, he has been in studio. Gary, thanks again for coming in. Thanks for having me. As we go to break here on the Tom Anderson Show, I'm super excited. We're going to find out about the plugged-in movie review for the week as Adam Holtz will join us here and then a conversation the rest of the show after Adam with Todd Smolden from Governor Dunleavy's office. Let's do it, shall we? We'll take a break here, come back with more on the Tom Anderson Show here on KVNT. Good morning, Alaska. This is the Tom Anderson Show, broadcasting live from the KVNT studios, 7 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday. As we come back to the Tom Anderson Show, Rick Whitbeck filling in for the man himself who's got some well-deserved time off. It's been a great show so far, 23 degrees, I believe, outside, maybe 22 degrees, kind of right there in the middle here in the East Anchorage studios of KVNT, and now joining us for his regular segment here is Adam Holtz with the plugged in movie re- movie review. I can't even say it. Good morning, Adam. How you doing? <laughs> I'm great, Rick. How are you today? I am fantastic. I appreciate uh, always appreciate your insight and knowledge on uh, some of the entertainment going on uh, out there and and what we should expect from it from a family friendly or maybe not so family friendly perspective. You guys have uh, yeah. have a number of uh, of, of uh, items to cover today, so let's get into it. Mean Girls. Yeah. Yeah, Mean Girls is a reboot of the 2004 movie of the same name. Some people may remember Lindsay Lohan and Rachel McAdams and Tina Fey starred in that one. And uh, Tina Fey is actually in this one again as the same teacher. But it's a straight-up 
remake slash reboot of that film. And of course, it deals with, oh, the politics of high school. Specifically, we meet a girl named Katie who has moved to America from Africa. She's been homeschooled. She's a nice girl. And she gets on the wrong side of the queen bee who rules the school. Her name is Regina. And uh, she kind of wants to get back at Regina, but she kind of wants Regina's approval. And so the movie really unpacks all of those social dynamics. And if you've ever been to high school or junior high, you know, you're either popular or you're not. There's not much middle ground. Um, And this sort of explores all that. I like some of the things that it has to say. Uh, We see that Katie sort of stoops to some of Regina's own behaviors and tactics in her attempt to be like her and to get back at her. But she also has this moment of sort of awakening that she doesn't want to be the very thing she hates, which all of that is fine and well and good. This is a satire that has a message about why it's important not to be mean. But there's a ton of sexual content here, uh, a lot, both verbal and visual. And, I mean, it's just sort of assumed that high school kids are sexually active, and some of them really sexually active. And more so than 20 years ago, it will be no surprise for you to hear that there's a lot of LGBT content here, too. So, you know, I think if you've got kids, my daughters are 13 and 15, it's important to talk about bullying Maybe if they're a little bit older and they're really, really wanting to see this, it's a conversation starter. But I think it's a conversation you can probably have without seeing this one. Or or for my nine-year-old, it would be way, way inappropriate. Oh, yeah. No, this is not even in the same universe yeah, for a un- understood. You know, I'm thinking my 15-year-old, I might be on the verge of being able to talk about this because, you know, she comes home and talks about this kind of stuff. And um, so that's the reality of where they're living. But, uh, again, with all the sexual content, yeah, not much younger than that, in my opinion. Good to know. Um, other things that you guys are working on there in in uh, in your world? You know, there's a really interesting movie coming out today, and we just got done writing our review. It'll be up on PluggedIn.com, hopefully within the next half an hour or so. It's called The Book of Clarence, and if you've seen any of the trailers, you might have thought that this was a satirical rip on Christianity because it's about um, a guy named Clarence who apparently sees what Jesus is doing and wants to be a Messiah himself. Now, the the trailer doesn't give much context, and from what I saw of it, it reminded me a lot, those of a certain age will remember, Life of Brian, yeah. which was a very, very, uh, somewhere between irreverent and blasphemous take on Christianity done by Monty Python back in, I don't know, like 1979 or something like that. Book of Clarence actually is about a desperate guy who is needing to come up with some money, and uh, he kind of thinks, maybe if I can get in with Jesus, I can avoid being punished by the Romans and buy time to pay off this debt. Uh, And so he, for a time, um, kind of poses as being a Messiah himself. But strangely enough, Jesus and the entire story about him is treated pretty reverently here. So this was not what we expected it to be. Now, I'm not going to say go out and rush out and see it. There's still quite a bit of content that pushes it in a PG-13 territory, as you'll see from from our review, but it was a more thoughtful uh, film about faith, albeit from an absurd sort of point of view, than certainly than we were expecting it to be. But uh, you still got some sexual innuendo 
you've got a fair bit of violence. Uh, crucifixion plays an important role here, um, and some profanity as well. So um, not particularly family-friendly, but an interesting, ultimately, I think, a pretty interesting meditation on faith, which surprised us. Well, and, and I have to be honest with you, I, I totally agree. When I saw the trailer, I thought, this is really Life of Brian all over again, isn't it? And and I had totally. no I, yeah. had, I had no interest in watching it. Probably, no, I didn't pro- either. Probably still don't uh, necessarily, but but certainly it's it's good that the that it wasn't as um, negative as Life of Brian was. No, it certainly treats faith much more reverently or, or much more seriously. It takes faith seriously and it takes Jesus seriously, which we were not expecting. That was a surprise. Any other surprises out there or anything else that uh, people who might be looking to go to the movies, looking to... Uh, to you know, hang out with their family and and uh, stream something might might find uh, useful and plugged in this week. You know, there's a movie out um, on Netflix, excuse me, on Amazon called Role Play, which is kind of a true lies ish kind of movie. It's an R-rated movie. Uh, it stars uh, Kaylee. I think her last name is is it Kawaku. I'm not not even sure. I've never been sure how to pronounce her name, uh, but she is a loving mom and wife and you know in her real job she's also an assassin so i mean it totally plays on the spy kids true lies kind of vibe and she and her husband reconnect even as assassins are trying to kill her and lots of people die uh that happens and over on netflix we do have um we have lift which is a pg-13 action adventure comedy it stars kevin hart as the leader of a group of art thieves who get caught and Interpol, the uh, international police organization, says, look, we will let you off, but you've got to help us catch this other guy who is transporting a huge load of gold on an airplane as payment for nefarious activities. You know, it's sort of that spy-ish, James Bond-ish kind of thing. But sure. this is a heist movie, so Kevin Hart and his crew have to basically steal an airplane full of gold while the airplane is flying uh, if you like Kevin Hart, you might enjoy this one. It's got exactly the kind of content you would expect. It's got some some crass stuff. It's got some violence. It's got some profanity. Um, again, it feels like there are these templates out there. It's like, ah, we need a new heist movie. We need a new movie about you know a spouse who's secretly a secret agent and her spouse doesn't know. I mean, we've seen it all before. Uh, and these are, you know, two streaming alternatives in those two camp- camps this weekend. Yeah, Kaylee Cuoco's movies are, let's just say this, I would rather watch her on The Big Bang Theory um, than some, yes. of, some of the stuff she's come out with. But I'll uh, I'll probably skip that just because, of the, just because of the rating. Anything else, man? We got yeah. about three minutes. Uh, I know you guys do a bunch of content, so... We do. You know, the other thing that is an interesting thing, and I don't know if it's rolled into your area or not, is a drama called The Zone of Interest. And that's a title that doesn't tell you anything. Um, This is actually a German movie. It has subtitles, and it is a story of the commandant of Auschwitz and his family. And his family had a beautiful little home and a beautiful garden and a beautiful swimming pool right on the other side of the fence. And it, it really is a disturbing movie hmm. because it, it, it asks us to ask the question or to ponder the question, how can people be so indifferent to horrific suffering? 
And, I mean, it almost feels like a 1950s housewife movie, except everybody knows, except the children perhaps, exactly what's going on on the other side of the fence. And even if you go to, to PluggedIn.com and look at the picture that we have taken from the movie, you know, you'll see this this family in a little a little swimming pool, and you see the, the greenhouse they have, and if you look closely, you see the smoke coming up behind it, and we know what hmm. that signifies. Uh, so it is really, it's really a reflection and a meditation on, on evil, on wickedness. And even though it's not technically a horror movie, there are times that it has almost a horror movie vibe because this, you know, the parents of this family are so, they're so monstrous. And it, I think especially in this moment where anti-Semitism is in the news in such a huge way with what's going on in Israel and protests around the world, um, you know, it's a reminder of, of what happened in the Holocaust. And I think one that challenges us to take anti-Semitism seriously even today. That sounds chilling. Uh, yeah, it's chilling. That's the right word for it. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that, as, as you're describing that, I hadn't heard about that, but I mean, I just, uh, that, yeah, that, that gave me some, that gave me some goosies, not in a good way. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, there are lots of uh, potential opportunities to uh, check things out this weekend. And, and of course, everything else is still in theaters, too. You can find full reviews at PluggedIn.com. Adam Holtz, always appreciate your insight and, uh, and your reviews. Appreciate you joining us here this morning on the Tom Anderson Show. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you. We'll talk to you next week. All right, sounds good. Everybody, when we come back, that was Adam Holtz with Plugged In with the uh, movie, movie reviews for the week. When we come back... Tom's, uh, uh, sorry, Todd Smolden from the governor's office. He and I had a chance to sit down uh, on the Power of the Future Energy Hour. We're just going to replay those two segments here uh, for you the rest of the show. So until next Monday, this is going to do it for me and uh, Tom Steigelman. Thanks for joining the Tom Anderson Show. Again, Todd Smolden with the governor's office. The rest of the show on a replay from the Power of the Future Energy Hour. We'll be back after these messages. Welcome back to the Power the Future Energy Hour. Here's Rick Whitbeck. One of my favorite conversations uh, when I get the opportunity to have it is with Todd Smolden with Governor Dunleavy's office, and uh, he's going to join us here on the show the rest of the way. So, Todd, uh, as always, appreciate you coming on the show today, and uh, thanks for giving us some time. Yeah, you bet, Rick. It's, uh, I, I always appreciate talking to you. We've... Uh, we uh, go kind of way back, so way, know way, you know, way back. Known each other a couple decades, um, so I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. I wanted to first take the opportunity, uh, you know, uh, to offer you some condolences on on your football team's loss. And, really, really, we're gonna do that. Okay, so <laughs> so you could have you could have gone with the uh, you could have gone with the University of Washington from this week, or you could have gone with my Broncos to your Raiders here last week. Uh, Although I will tell you, neither one of our teams should be writing home about much um, no, when, when it no. comes to the pro football side. But yeah, thanks for the um, thanks for the heartfelt, sincere 
Condolences. Well, you know, part of our long-term relationship revolves around sports too. It does. I, it's kind of interesting that we are um, that we consider ourselves good friends, considering that you're a, a Broncos fan and I'm a Raiders fan, and you're an Astros fan and I'm a Mariners fan. So, um, yeah. And, and you're and you're a Sea Wolf and I'm a Nanook. So That's I mean, true. like that is true as well. Yeah, we <laughs> went to a different different uh, UA uh, schools. So I went to the one. I went to Harvard on the Hill, and you went to an over glorified community college. But did <laughs> I just say that? But both of our deg- our primary degrees yeah, are in the same are field. the same thing exactly. Both yeah, of us econ. So, so yeah. anyway, I it's it's always great to talk to you because not only I mean not, not only are we friends, but you're always full of good information. Not only you know when it comes to just state affairs, but you know what the governor's office is doing um, to to stand tall for for Alaska and for really the the country as a whole. So, um, don't know where you want to necessarily start from, but you know we have about nine minutes. The floor is yours, Todd. Where do we where do we go? Where do we start? Well, you know, I I think um, part of obviously part of my job is uh, to communicate what the governor's agenda is when I when I get an opportunity to do that and. You know, we, we can uh, focus focus on energy, of course, because that's uh, the nature of, of this show and, and what you do. Um, and I think it's a great place to focus on, uh, something that the governor is very interested in, of course. Um, I know that um, at times he has, uh, you know, communicated that he is kind of an all-in approach governor. And um, that means different things to different people. Um, we probably don't need to go down a rabbit trail on carbon sequestration and things like that. Um, but I think the main, the main point is, is that the governor um, highly values the resource industries in the state. He highly values energy production in the state. That is mostly oil and gas and, and people, you know, as much as they might not want it to be uh, primarily oil and gas, it is, as you have pointed out many times, it's, um, it's the primary uh, revenue generating source for state spending. And so that clearly is a very important uh, piece. And, you know, we uh, got some news about uh, Pebble uh, this, this week. Um, and of course, that that's discouraging, but in some ways it it was somewhat expected. Well, I certainly talked about that in in uh, an earlier segment tonight on the show, um, and and you know I'll say this, Todd, Pebble wasn't an unexpected result because I don't think the SCOTUS really wanted to set precedent that right. states could um, you know appeal directly to them without going through the federal process. That right. being said, if they were going to set a precedent, this would have been the one to set the precedent on. Because it's such an egregious overreach of um, administrative oversight and really um, a hijacking of what should have been a non-political process by a bunch of politicians and right. you know and uh, and unelected bureaucrats with an agenda and and what it does and what I've said for the last umpteen years is it's denied the people of the upper region of Bristol Bay and around the Lake Iliamna region an opportunity to have generational jobs that will give them hands up rather than hands out. And, yeah, you know, yeah, de- definitely. And I mean, you, we see the same thing when it comes to oil production on sure. the North Slope, where it's, you know, local communities that want you know, the, the ones right where the extraction is taking place want the development. 
They, they know that Alaska responsibly develops. We develop well. We mine very well. And they want those jobs. It, it's the it's others um, who do not directly benefit, but benefit from, you know, locking down the state that are always opposing these things, whether it's uh, those people who think we can turn Alaska into a giant state park um, or uh, maybe other native groups, uh, you know, that, that might not benefit. Um, and, and so that's very frustrating. Clearly, the governor has been um, advocating for uh, us to be able to develop our resources, and the legislature as a body sees the need for that as well. And mm-hmm. so, for the last couple of years, they've uh, funded, uh, you know, uh, they've funded legal defense for for our uh, for us to be able to develop our resources. Well, and and you know, we can look at SCOTUS and, and the Supreme Court and their denial of taking this directly. Um, one of two ways, like I said, I, I think it's actually a it's going to be a longer process now. But certainly when they get the case, and I, I believe they will actually end up with the case eventually, um, we've already seen that this court tends to rein in uh, executive overreach and administrative overreach. We saw it with Sackett. We've seen it with um, you know a number of other cases here in, in this court and this, you know, this makeup. And even with um, you know, having to wait, I personally think that the, the decision will be ultimately made that yes, the EPA did overreach. The Army Corps did usurp its own jurisdictional, um, uh, you know, uh, analysis and and uh, allowed the process to be hijacked somewhat. And you know that'll be good for the state of Alaska. Yeah, and and I don't know what um, the next step. I mean, I know what next possible steps are. I imagine law is reviewing the decision right now. Um, of course, the next step would be then to start uh, the the process through through the federal court system. Um, you know, one one of the issues that we have is that the federal government has stopped us um, at, at so many different levels that we only have so much money <laughs> right. that's been funded in order to attack you know this this federal overreach and so i think part of what they're uh doing i i would guess would be an analysis you know a cost benefit analysis is how much will it cost us to get it through the system uh do the funds we have you know would they be better used to attack some other you know federal overreach when it comes to resource development um i'm sure we'll we'll hear something soon uh sooner rather than later on what what the plan is um, but yeah, it, it's, uh, I mean, it's an ongoing process in terms of fighting the federal government and it's not just, it's not just energy either. I right. mean, we, we've seen this overreach with student loan payments that the Biden administration has completely ignored, you know, the SCOTUS decision, uh, we saw it during COVID with federal mandates. So this administration uh, loves to use executive power and it's, it's just a question of how much money do we have to fight back on it? Well, and you know, I, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, there's so many fronts that the Biden administration continues to play with Americans' lives and Alaskans' lives. And you're right. The, the pushback has to give a cost benefit. I will remind you, as I know you talk to the governor uh, more frequently than I do, and I think I have a good open line of communication, that this is a trillion dollar state asset. I mean, there's, there's a, there's a tremendous amount of opportunity uh, for state, you know, revenues and royalties. So just, you know, just as you're talking with, uh, 
with Governor Dunleavy, just you know, you can always mention that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I will. Uh, I will. I, I imagine uh, that uh, those conversations are already taking place. Oh, I'm sure. So, yeah. So in, in the minute or so we have left here in this segment, uh, anything else that you want to start touching on and then we can always carry it over to the next one? Yeah, you know, I would like to, to talk about the uh, energy, um, you know, the, the um, transmission uh, and, you know, the energy uh, tie and, and sure. those issues. Um, and, and I know, um, you know, I don't want to uh, get people's ire up too much, but talking a little bit about renewable um, energy um, and how, how that actually works well with, with oil and gas and, and, our, and our electrical lines, you know, the transmission. Um, it, it's, uh, I think it's a good conversation. Um, and, and again, I, I think it's, uh, I don't think it's something we should be kind of frightened about, you know, talking no. about. So. No, I, the, the renewable mix in, in, in a, you know, all of the above strategy is, is necessary. And, you know, I think from a power of the future standpoint and from a, an Alaskan standpoint, it is important to have things, uh, like, you know, the occlutinant dam, like, uh, you know, that, that project that we talked about, I talked a little bit about earlier on the show. So, um, now let's do this, Todd, we're going to come back here, uh, after just a few minutes of break and uh, we'll continue the conversation. How about that? Sounds good. My time with Todd Smolden from governor Dunleavy's office. will continue right after these messages here on KVNT. Welcome back to the Power the Future Energy Hour. Here's Rick Whitbeck. One last segment here in the show today, and my guest as he was the last segment, Todd Smolden. He's with the uh, the office of the governor of the state of Alaska, the honorable and really tall Michael Dunleavy. Todd, you're not quite that tall, but you have better hair. Uh, well, yeah, I might have better hair. Definitely not uh, not as tall as the governor. But you do stand. Yeah. But you do help him stand tall, and you do stand tall yourself for the people in the valley. And I appreciate the fact that uh, that you you know you are a a frequent caller into this show and and always give us good information when you do. And we were talking at the uh, at the end of last segment about the electrical inner tie upgrades and the the ability for uh, power to be distributed. Some of the projects there. Why don't you fill us in on everything that you guys are working uh, with the utilities on from the state side? Well, yeah, Rick, I, I don't know how many people know this. I think uh, there's we're starting to have more conversations about it throughout the state, and definitely the legislature is, um, you know, more interested in it. Um, one of the things that, you know, supply chain issues and, and COVID and all of that taught, I think, um, Alaskans and definitely got the governor's attention was, the need for Alaska to be more self-sufficient um, and also just in terms of, you know, part of that is, is being energy secure. Mm -hmm. um, and um, as part of that conversation then is, you know, looking at our energy infrastructure in general and, um, and our, uh, you know, our transmission lines on the, on the rail belt um, are very antiquated. Uh, we have no, 
um, resiliency through, um, you know, resiliency through redundancy, I, I guess maybe is one way to put it. Um, but more importantly, as, as we develop some of these new technologies, we have no good way to tie in additional technologies into the current system that we have. And so when we talk about renewables, and I'm, I'm not talking about wind and, and solar, really, I mean, you, people can certainly uh, promote those. And actually, there are some projects that have been that pencil out, but um, you could argue uh, not without subsidy, that's fine. Um, but we're also talking about, uh, you know, geothermal mm-hmm. um, and hydro, of course, is huge. Um, there's been some additional conversations about uh, Susitna Wantana. Of course, um, you know, the issue of Eklutna has, has come up. Um, but, uh, but yeah, hydro, geothermal. And then at some point, um, you know, not too far away, not too far away is uh, nuclear. And so we, we, need, we need a better system in place in order to capture all the potential energy projects that are coming online. Well, and I mean, I think one of the things that I had uh, Congresswoman Peltola on recently, and we'll have her on here, uh, you know, this show and and others um, throughout the KVNT world, I know, coming up. But one of the things that um, Congresswoman Peltola talked about was the $206 million that's supposed to help, uh, you know, basically modernize the rail belt grid. When that happens, like you said, whether it's a renewable project or additional capacity from some of the traditional energy sources, that will be good for, you know, the Homer to uh, Fairbanks corridor where so many of of Alaska's citizens live. It'll also allow for quicker response time and some ubiquity between, you know, um, between the utilities being able to see into each other's networks and really troubleshoot and um, and, uh, make things as, as smooth as possible. Right. And, and it's, um, one thing I've heard is that based on the number of meters that we have and the number of different, you know, electrical associations, co-ops, it's actually, we're, we're quite unique in, in terms of the number of different kind of grids that we have and microgrids. Right. Um, and, and those who, who operate them. So that's also something that, um, you know, will be looked at by the legislative, uh, by the legislature. And I know it probably makes some co-op, uh, you know, staff and others a little nervous when we talk about that. But, you know, we need, we need uh, energy systems that are going to work best for Alaska and net us the lowest possible energy costs. I mean, that's the only way we're going to develop Alaska is by lowering our energy costs in the state. Yeah. You know, 25 years ago, it was, well, can we get communication up here? Do we have an energy solution? Do we have, you know, do we have uh, the ability with, with deep water ports, et cetera? We're working on the ports. Uh, you know, there's certainly enough fiber connectivity and redundant and, and resilient fiber connectivity up here to the state. Now we just really need to work on the energy and then you can bring manufacturing, you can bring value added, uh, you know, uh, non-service, you know, tangible uh, GDP to the state. And I know that's something that the governor's office is working on. Well, yeah, because not only is it uh, is it manufacturing, but lowering energy costs also means that we can produce our own. Um, we can we can have a more robust agricultural industry. Sure. Which means, you know, one of the biggest issues with especially livestock is the cost of feed, and that we have we we bring almost all of our animal feed up from the lower forty eight. 
So you can't have a large livestock uh, production without, um, you know, animal feed and grains. And in order to, to do that, you need to be able to dry them. And um, that takes a lot of energy. So it's, it, it's not just for, you know, some of this maybe heavier manufacturing or things like that. It also includes things like the agricultural industry. As well as, you know, helping large projects like Donlin and Pebble one day and, you know, a lot of the other opportunities, um, you know, lowering use of Ellie's costs. I mean, lowering the cost of, of other mining in, in the rail belt would be great. I mean, certainly yeah. you have to have that in order to pencil out a lot of these uh, projects. So, you know, anything that the governor's office and the state and the legislature and the congressional delegation can do to create a more robust um, intertie, let's do it. Yes, and and I think anything we can do that may, that lowers the costs of of production for any ener- any any energy uh, company. I, again, I'm not talking about subsidizing sure. um, inefficient um, energy production, but you know there are things that we can do to also incentivize um, you know oil and gas and and other energy uh, you know projects. So 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 let's talk about one, uh, something that you mentioned earlier and I and I mentioned earlier on the show today is the Aklutna project right the Aklutna dam the Aklutna hydroelectric project uh, just outside of out of Anchorage on the way to the valley um, provides Anchorage with about 90% of its drinking water and about 6% of the power uh, driven between Chugach Electric and Matanuska Electric there are those that say that because the dam may or may not have contributed to a decline in fish run over the last 70 years, that the dam should be dynamited, that the dam should be removed and the water from a Lake should be able to just uh, free flow 12 months a year down the, down the river because that's what's going to sustain a fishery. When you look at what we just talked about, Todd, um, and the governor's going to get to make the final decision on this here later this year. I'm not asking you to speak for the governor, but when you think about that, what are your thoughts? <laughs> well, it doesn't, I, I, I'm not speaking for the governor. Because no, I know, I know you're not on this a, one. <laughs> there's a long process that, you know, that's going to take place here first. But um, but removing a power source when we are trying to increase the amount of power that's generated on the rail belt and in Alaska in general doesn't seem to make much sense. I'll, I'll just put it. I mean, we're, we're trying to increase power and lower and lower electrical rates and, and lower energy rates, not not increase them. And if you remove, uh, we'll, we'll go back to our, uh, our economics days Rick, sure. when we were working on our economics degrees, you know, when you, when you remove supply from a market, it only does one thing and that's, it, it causes price to go up. So, uh, you know, and where we're at right now on this issue, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, yeah, it's, it's renewable, it's sustainable, it's the lowest cost power in the market it's um, distributable amongst different utilities. It's, uh, again, it's 90% of Anchorage's drinking water. I mean, that's forget the power aspect for a while, but if you remove the dam, you get rid of the, the, the water distribution system. So, you know, those people who um, uh, wish to save the fish at the expense of my power bill... Yeah. <laughs> well, and probably more importantly is your drinking water. Yeah. I mean, you can, <laughs> we actually can live without, without energy. It's not a very uh, comfortable life, but I mean, people did it for, without electricity for um, longer than uh, we've had electricity. But um, yeah, the source of drinking water for 300,000 people is problematic. That, 
And with that, I think we'll end the I think we'll end the segment, Todd, because I think you just mic dropped it. So, <laughs> as right. always, my friend, I appreciate you uh, calling into the show today. Best to you. Let the governor know we uh, stand in support of everything, almost everything he does. Yeah, he, everything he does. I love Governor Dunleavy. Love the fact that you're there in his office, and I appreciate you calling in. Uh, that'll do it for this uh, this time with you. And again, we'll we'll catch up with you soon. All right. Thanks a lot, Rick. We'll talk to you later. Have a blessed uh, Have a blessed rest of your day, Todd. That's going to do it for the show. To all our guests here as part of uh, of the event today, appreciate you uh, and your time. Thanks again for listening in, everyone. Have an energy-filled weekend, and uh, until next time, we will uh, say goodbye and send you back to programming here on KVNT.